Hey, this is Kim Curtis, author of two best-selling books on money and retirement and CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Kim Curtis, and she's a nationally recognized wealth management advisor and speaker, and she's the president and CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute. Kim, a massive welcome to you to the show today. Thanks, Dennis. Look forward to our time. Yeah, very cool. So I've just talked to the, well, given a real brief introduction about you, and we'll probably find out more about you as we go through the show. But is there anything in particular you might want to share with us now a little bit about your background? Sure, love to. I'm also an author of two best-selling books on Amazon. One is Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing, Mm. and the other is Retirement Secrets, Keys to Retiring Happy, Healthy, and Free. Wow. Retirement. I I work with quite a lot of people around their career transitions and coaching them and that. And one of the things we talk about is active retirement. Do they do they want to do something? They go, well, I'm too young for that. What do you mean? I'm not going to retire yet. So that's pretty cool that you've written those two books. What was the process of writing books for you? What was that like? <laughs> you know, when you think about it, many people want to be writers, right? Yeah. Or authors. Yeah. I think all of us are writers in one way or another. But I knew I would be an author for easily 10 plus years before anything materialized. And I realized I was just talking about it and not doing. Mm. And one day I was like, get off your butt and finish this. And so I was supposed to be somewhere traveling and I ended up not going. And at the time we had a treehouse in our backyard. And I went up to the treehouse, brought the electricity through and wrote that first book in five days. In five days. Five days. Now, remember, writing is one thing, but getting it to the marketplace is a different. It probably took another year and a half after that before it hit the market. But once I finally set my mind to it, it would just flowed through me. And that was the investment book. That's Money Secrets. Yeah, awesome. And that flowed through you. Tell us more about that. What do you, what do you mean by that? Whew. You know, I think getting myself out of the way... Yeah. And Money Secrets, it it pulls back the curtain on the financial services industry to reveal why smart people make bad investment mistakes. Mm. And so there's evidence, there's research around this, there's data. And so for me to bring in the research and then remove myself from it and actually talk story as it relates to how our firm works 
and how to be successful around how to hire an advisor, how to fire an advisor, what to look for. Because remember, in the nature of financial services, at least in the United States, 90% of them are in sales in the brokerage world. They're not your advocate. And so I, 15 years ago, was on that side of the coin and actually left. I, you know, I was a fish out of water. I have a legal background and a financial background and everything that was in front of me was a disconnect. It didn't resonate with me at all because it was a sales model, the sales funnel. Mm. And so I left and created my own firm and really an independent fiduciary firm where clients truly are first, not last and kind of putting humanity back into the center. And so it's a small giant of a firm that meets the clients where they are and actually takes them through like what you said with retirement. Yep. When do you do it? How do you do it? You could have all the money in the world and have a failed retirement. So the Retirement Secrets book actually is more of a lifestyle book. It's how do you survive and thrive once you step off? So it's really like well-being and other types of things. And that has a lot of client stories in it too, in terms of successes and failures. So I love that book because it's really more personal and lifestyle, not so much, even though money is a little bit of it, more lifestyle. And, and good for you and I, we don't have to worry about that book for many, many years. We've got many, many years ahead of us, which is all good. <laughs> That's exactly right, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like what you say about get out of your own way. Because I think even from a leadership perspective, from people in business and whatever they're doing today, in small to large corporates and so forth, they do need to get out of their own way. And I think a lot of people procrastinate in what they're doing. And I think it's really, really important. But I love what you just shared there, how to survive and thrive when you step off the corporate ladder or you're stepping off that rat race, if I want to put it that way, and what we're doing, depending on what you want to do, right? Well, what is your life and what's going on for you? But stepping off and how to survive and thrive. I think that thriving piece is really cool. I mean, you've been working your life. Wasn't it time to go and have some fun and enjoy it? Well, you know, it's really interesting because for many, they're just working for money and they're not doing their passion like you are right now with your podcasting. And so when you finally step off and you have the bandwidth, if done correctly in terms of integrating financial planning with investments, you have the bandwidth to go managing money, no worries, goal setting, no worries, but peace of mind. You got to have it first before you can get to fulfillment if you are looking at a pyramid and fulfillment's at the top of that pyramid. So you may, for the first time in your life, have the bandwidth to actually think about who you are, what's your purpose and passion, and how do you want to take this next 30 years of your life mm. or more? Or more. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people are living longer, which is definitely happening as well. And okay, good. Good to know. So your business that you talked about there, so you started your own business and so forth. And and so do you have employees today? Do you have a team around you? How big is that? How's that going for you? Yeah. Well, how's it going as we are nearing almost two years of pandemic? You know, it's interesting. It, like I said, we're, we're a forward-thinking boutique firm that's a small giant in the industry in, in the United States. So I have smart, talented people, young people all around me that are easy to adjust and change with what we've gone through in the last 18, 19 months. So for us and for our clients, if you have your technology in place way before the pandemic, that it was easy for us on March 20th to go remote, then all of our energy went to managing our clients. And think of how stressful that was during that time. Their whole world got taken out from under them, not only in the short term regarding their money, but also in the longer term of what does that mean? They can't see their grandchildren or, oh God, there's, well, we, everyone has a story around the loss or the 
the expectations that were changed. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing, actually, because so, so just for our listeners, where about you in the world today? You're in the U.S., is that correct? Yes, I am in the U.S. in the state of Colorado. Yeah, cool, cool. And I'm in New Zealand, so it's amazing how we're doing this. But, you know, even when we're into lockdown too, it was just amazing to see how everyone's going through it. And then, you know, watching some programs that I actually do follow and follow some people around and seeing them doing really well in business and and property and that in the United States. And then all of a sudden, as you said, their world was stopping, things were being pulled underneath them and just like how they freaked out about it or how they handled it. But their, their mindset is really, really positive. Like they're, they're high performers. And then just to see them start to struggle, wobble, I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And it came down to, I think, a lot of people going, stop. I need to really think about kind of things I'm getting, media, so forth, and start to think about where I want to go. Otherwise, I'm just it's going to drive me crazy. I'm, I'm going to have problems here. Absolutely. Huge pivot and reset for the lion's share of the world population. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the reason I asked you about the, the company and, and how it's going is how, how did you get into leadership? Yes. So back in the day, Dennis, I actually was a captain of my athletic teams in in high school. And so I actually knew that I could lead and inspire. Mm. So that, that actually came easy, but leadership in terms of stepping into it, I was the youngest regional vice president uh, for the firm that I worked for prior to finance with my legal background was uh, negotiation and mediation. And I worked for an international dispute resolution firm. Hmm. And surprisingly, they sent me to Salt Lake, which we talked about earlier, to open up a Salt Lake City office. That's where the leadership came in. I was so young. I didn't know what I didn't know. But yet I was the smartest one in the room back in the day on alternative dispute resolution. Wow. So what happened is I became a spokesperson and really was no longer in the settlement conference, right in the in the middle of the action. And so after the, when I was 30, it was like, I got to do something different here. I need more impact. And not that I didn't have it. I was impacting, you know, in that way. But I had a friend that took me through a battery of tests. As a matter of fact, she worked for Hewlett Packard back in the day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And recognized that financial planning was something I would do really well with. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, Dennis, with mediation and negotiation and couples, what do they most argue over or disagree? Money. Uh, Oh, (laughs) not sex. (laughs) Maybe that too. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. And so, yeah, so you would have had a lot of fun in the sense of the negotiations, but you're right. I mean, a lot of times we find that a lot of people fall into a leadership role because they are the subject matter expert or they're really good at the technical side of things. And then people look around and go, we need a leader. Oh, she'll do. That'd be great. Congratulations. Well done. You're now the leader. Good luck. See you in 12 months' time in your performance review. And they either sink or swim. And and it's really because they haven't been developed. They haven't grown with it. And and for a lot of them, they try to struggle going through it. It's amazing to see the number of the percentages of people who actually failed. In fact, executives going off into doing a first time being an executive and how, you know, they're, they're saying around the 58 to 70% of the executives failing in their first year is really quite high. And you think yourself, you ask yourself, why? What, what What's going on here? And so, yeah, it's interesting. When I went into finance and made that transition at 30, I really, because yep. I was successful in law, I really believed, you know, in the next three to five years, I'll knock this out of the park. And then All it was right. like, oh, wait, no, five to seven. And then it was like, no, no, no. Okay. 10 years, I'll really, and at the time when you're 30, the metric is money, 
you know, how much money are you making? And so it took me a while. It wasn't as easy as I thought it would have been. But I also learned a lot of lessons on leadership as to how I fit in. Because remember, in the brokerage world, I knew this was out of alignment with me. Mm. So when I did create my firm, I was very clear on leadership of what that firm looked like, how we delivered advice, yep. and who were the people around me. Because I knew I needed smart people around me in the room, and I was not threatened by that. Oh, that's that's key though, isn't it? Because you see, there's a lot of leader out there where well, we all need smart people in the room. And But you know we need to have the right people around us to help us. But there's some leaders that do get threatened by these people. And I don't know why, because they are there to, you and I both have got weaknesses and strengths. And so I would, this is where I see things happening here, Kim, is that a lot of leaders go and hire people just like them. And I'm like, well, hang on a sec, where's that, okay, diversity, inclusion, all that side of things. But it's more about, I've got weaknesses. So what can I do to bring somebody on board to help me with my weaknesses and to cover that? And we go from there. I'm not sure I understand why people get a little bit sort of worried about others being so, so good. Well, how have you handled that? Have you seen that kind of scenario? And what have you done to sort of... Huh, I was surrounded by it yep. in, in the brokerage world. It was very top down. And even the structure of how people were compensated was top down. So the worker didn't make as... They had to give it to everyone else before they got it, the end product. And yet the client was the one last in line. So, you know, it's interesting when I think about how we show up and what's important to us. I really, you know, I was a quick start in, you know, how you do those uh, assessments. And so I don't tend to use the word weakness, but I use the word struggle, strengths and struggles. Yep. So my struggle is I'm a quick start. Like I wrote the book in five days. Five days. And then I'm done for a while, you know, and then my creativity gets back up. So I need someone around me to manage my creativity and vision mm. and follow through. Yeah. You know, the tact, I'm very strategic. I strategic. I could do that in my sleep, but to have someone tactical people around me that measures the progress of my ideas and puts them in order is probably why my firm has been so successful is when I finally figured that out as a leader, everything else fell into place. Yep. There you go, listeners. If you are somebody who's creative, got great ideas, do things. In fact, Kim, at times we talk about the shiny thing that people just go and try and chase. <laughs> but it's important to have the right team around you to support you, to to bring things through, to execute them, bring them to life. Because you see, there are people like Kim who will then be on to the next creative, the next idea. And we need the right people around us to do, to do that for sure, um, which is really important. Kim, Who's your favorite leader? Now, this is somebody who can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? You know, that's a really difficult one for me personally. Mm. I think because I tend to follow, well, I'll just rattle off my top three that come as soon as I read that came to the top of my mind. Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi, and Mother Teresa, people that serve others first and have this great big vision beyond themselves are people that I am attracted to for the greater good, for equality, for no one's better than you and you're no better than anyone else. That kind of belief is my core. And so I'm attracted to those leaders. Yeah. And I think that's huge what you've just shared there. I mean, people who serve others have bigger visions. I think it's massive. I'm really glad you shared that with us because I think that if you imagine, if I think about leaders who have done very well, the three that you just mentioned, others come to mind for me too. They have gone and served others. And if I think about Zig Ziglar, remember, the, remember Zig Ziglar from many years ago? And, and one thing he did talk about is that if you can help others get what they want, serve them, 
then you'll get ultimately you'll get what you need to get as well. But I think at the at the end of the day, it is about service and it's about helping others. I wonder if you actually and those three at enormous cost for those three. Oh, absolutely. And they still kept to their vision, mm. and that's hard to do. That's hard to do to still stick with it. And even though they're now passed on, their legacy, that vision, the way they are, still lives so big today. Right? It's huge. Uh, which is really, really amazing to see. So I think that's that's really important. If you were to able to, I, I just thought this just come to my mind. I mean, if you were to sit down with one of them and have a cup of coffee with them, I wonder what you would ask. What would be one question you want to ask them? Yeah. What would you ask them? Yeah, good God. Nice way to turn it back on me. I think the thing I would love to know is how do they start their day? What's the one or two or three things they do to start their day? I would want to know, with a vision so huge and so large, what did you, at what expense, and was it worth it? Yeah, nice. For them, it is worth it. Yeah. It is worth it, probably, because, you know, they stuck with it at the expense of their family or in prison for over two decades. I mean, so, but I would want to know, would they do anything different with the struggle that they went through knowing what they know now today? And I'm wondering... Just knowing a little bit about reading about them or seeing them. I mean, of course, we saw Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela and so forth. But, I mean, imagine – I could just see them turning the question on you, right? They'd be going, <laughs> you know, well, what was it meant for you then? So what have you got out of it? It's like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Absolutely. That is just a beautiful way to segue of a representation of who they are, yeah. which is another good leadership. Good leadership is you're not the smartest person in the room – what ideas do you have? Please share them with me because you may have something I don't even know or I'm thinking about. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good point. Yeah. That's very, cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Now the show's called, well, the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I mention that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? In finance, there's so many things going on. When I think of leadership from a macro level or leadership specifically to industry, and we already hit on some of these points. I think you need to have a global perspective. Mm. I think every industry is in disruption with technology. And the silos that used to exist with industry is now taken over by tech. I mean, tech is in finance and it disrupted finance. Tech is in, you know, book selling with Amazon. I mean, there's everything is interconnected. So if you're not tech savvy in some way and understand global dynamics. Yes. And understand servant leaderhood and understand humility, mm. I think you'll miss the boat. You'll miss the future of what's in front of us because because it's so fast and changing and multidimensional. Yep. It's not singularly dimensional. You know, it's multidimensional. It is. And that is hard to grasp. It is. And while you're trying to grasp it, it's changing again. It's moving, right? And so you're, you're constantly <laughs> trying to grasp, grasp it or get hold of it, but it's just moving on. And if we're not changing quick enough, and this is what I'm saying in my introductions of the show, the one thing we do know that's constant is change. And if there's a lot of leaders out there today who, if they do not change quick enough, they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. And I think that's in a lot of industries, in the finance industry and other areas that you're in and others. We've seen this. If you're not there, you're being left behind. Well, and we also started to hit on this a little bit when we talked about the pandemic of managing client expectations. And knowing yourself enough that you're not spilling into the room. Yeah. And self-discipline, which is what you shared. So not spilling into the room and self-knowledge and authenticity, which we had talked earlier about. 
how do you show up as an authentic leader? Mm. And, you know, it's funny. I, I had this, this quote I read and I'll never forget it. And it said that each generation is smarter than the generation before it. And at the time I'm like, Oh my God, yes, I'm so much smarter than my parents. <laughs> and then it hit me. Oh my goodness. I got two children uh-huh. and they call it out. They call me out all the time when I'm trying to be somebody I'm not or act like I know something that I don't know. And so to recognize that kind of self-disclosure or not even self-disclosure, <laughs> other people disclosing it on you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome with the kids as well. Yeah, and it's about also I think the authentic side of things, but it's also about being vulnerable. And so being able to take that feedback on board or you being human. And I, it's really interesting to see how that all is happening. You know how we've just been talking about the change and how things are moving and technology and everything and things are getting faster. So we're living in a real fast-paced, ever-changing world. What makes a lead successful in that kind of world today? Flexibility. Mm, Nice word. Curiosity, Mm. good listener, and a communication skills, because those are things that you can develop and everything else is really beyond you other than being smart about it and being a continuous learner. Yeah. You know, if you're talking global markets and cross-border and cultures and people, you don't know what's going on in other parts of the world. And to have a team around you that you can hear and appreciate and respect to be able to then make your best decision, yep, I think is not necessarily a lot of those leaders today exist. Mm, no, no. Oh, that's good. Do you think people should watch the news, the media? <laughs> no, I don't watch the news. But I mean, I have digital feeds. I, I consume it in a way that I can control it. Right. So you can filter what you want to see and control it, which is good. The reason I asked that question is because, as you said, the global perspective and understanding what's going on and that it's, it's out there now. You see things happening. I remember walking through a hotel one day and I was seeing this thing. And I was like, oh, what's that movie? No, it's a tsunami happening in Japan live. I'm like, what? Um, so things we get to see happening all the time, right? And it's really interesting. So I think the thing here is a lot of leaders, especially with the pandemic and a whole lot of other stuff happening over the last few years, there's this fear out there. There's all the side of things. And I'm going, turn the media off. Watch your news feeds, just like you said, Kim, right? Be very selective in what you're watching and listening to, while you're also knowing that you've got goals to reach, while you've also got a business to run, while you've also got teams to do. And how do you stay on the cutting edge and learn from the industry, learn from things? It's really, really important. But I think you have to be selective. You know, the, we in my industry, we call it financial pornography. Right. You know, fear and greed to keep you to the station or the channel and you're afraid to death. And so it makes you create movement. But you said something, Dennis, that's really powerful. And I can't remember the name of the book or the author, but it was a New York Times bestseller. And he talks about the future of what's in front of us. And his last chapter, I almost think he needed to end the book on a high note. And he thought, hmm, how am I going to put this last chapter in here to make people feel better about themselves? Because he talked about technology and artificial intelligence and taking over that we will not be thinking for ourselves Mm. unless what AI cannot do is take our consciousness away. Wow. So if we're not conscious, it's already happening, you know, on our feed in Facebook, buy this and you click on it and all of a sudden it's exactly what you wanted and you buy it. So... So consciousness and having control of that means kind of being more centered. Mm. And I think the great leaders of our time, when I think of Steve Jobs and some of these others, they, they meditate. Yeah. 
And that is something that I started doing three years ago after I read that book, scared the crap out of me. I'll have to figure out, I'll have to let you know what that book is. It's really, really interesting you share that. I wonder if they, they, he would decided or he or she decided to put their last chapter in on day five when they're writing the book in five days, huh? Maybe it was. Maybe you're saying, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a deep thought. It really is a deep thought. It's huge. It's huge. I find that a lot of leaders, if they're not taking time out to even just think, right, they're not stopping because they're always on, they're moving forward. And I think meditation is a good way of doing it and is one way of doing it. And there's another client of mine that I, I've been coaching. He he swam in the swimming pool and he would look at that black line on the ground and he would just do lap after lap after lap. And it just helped him zone out and meditate and get that clear mind to help recenter him, as you're saying. I think it's huge. Kim, maybe I think a lot of leaders need to do that more often, right? I live in Colorado, Dennis, so I have the Rocky Mountains and getting in nature is an immediate oh, yeah. access. I love nature and walking and hiking, yeah, you need, skiing. You need to come to New Zealand sometime and join nature. Love to. Yeah. And you know what? You can drive and you're at the mountains. You can drive the other way and you're in the sea. It's just, it's just amazing. I forget who I'm talking to. That's right. You have the sea. <laughs> I got to go really far to get to this, the ocean. <laughs> you do, yeah. Hey, um, we've been talking about leadership and so forth. We could just change the lens and look through the lenses now of an employee. You've been an employee and you've also been, you are now an employer and you have teams in, in your organization and so forth and people. How have employees' expectations of leaders changed? Well, you know, the fact that they're not geographically isolated anymore mm. with remote work, that I, I, they're more empowered and they should be. Yep. So being more empowered, they're not afraid to speak up. They expect you to listen to them and be heard. And they generally are more digitally savvy. And so I think the expectations that they have of their employers is that they are heard mm. and valued and appreciate it. Now that sounds like all cliche, but they now have the power to demand it. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. And I think about time. Yeah. It's almost gone from an employer's market to an employee's market, if I can put it that way. But you're right. They want to be heard. And you know what? I think a lot of great ideas and smart leaders today, if they actually did listen to the employees, hey, they might learn something. Two, the, 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 the beast part of it, or the second part of it is people have got great ideas. And it could be the idea that changes the world going forward. It could be the next big thing that come through if we just listen to somebody who's got some good ideas. Well, and oftentimes they're the closest to the customer or the client. Yeah. And so, again, heart-centered leadership and meeting the customer where they're at, oftentimes your employees know what that is and what that looks like. And if they like what they're doing and they're more, then they're more likely to be passionate and share that passion with others and that the customer feels it in that exchange. Mm. And that is the ultimate goal. Yeah, it is. It is. Kim, I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out now. And um, even though you're talking to tomorrow (laughs) here now, but I mean, if I get you to get your crystal ball out, where do you see leadership being in five years? Five years is exponentially like right around the corner. And so I, I truly believe that balancing of the technology with humanity, which we talked about in different threads throughout, I think, because you have to have efficiency of technology in terms of being profitable, but that sense of purpose and caring, I think is going to be more demanding of the end user because they're going to be so disconnected in other parts of their world. Absolutely. I, I love what you just said there, the balance of technology and humanity. I think that is spot on. And if we can do that, I think it's going to, it's going to really help a lot. So yeah, very good. Kim, 
Thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Yes, wealthlegacyinstitute.com. That's my website, and there's lots of resources there. There's retirement readiness quiz that takes less than three minutes, and as a result of that, gives you some really good feedback as to steps you can take to get closer to whatever that decision is for you. Brilliant. Kim, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, so thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 